Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. The message that I'm about to share with you today, church, has, has and the successive messages in this series have always been important principles for the life of the believer. Consequently, I believe that the days are coming when these principles are going to be increasingly more important. And, 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 because, and the reason I say that is because, you know, as a pastor, sometimes I feel that I am begging and pleading with people that they rise up in the truth of God's word simply so that they can have the very best. They can be postured and positioned in a place of faith that is going to afford them the very best that God has for them and it's going to best position them for the greatest life of victory which Jesus came for us to have. Moving forward, however, and I'm not by any means suggesting here a salvation of works, but I am suggesting that there will be a great many in the days that are to come who will begin to question their faith and their commitments to Christ in the coming days. And the truth is that your very spiritual survival is going to be contingent upon your firm assurance and your firm stand in who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you and what he is capable of doing in your life. Now Jesus knew that his disciples, and if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus knew that his disciples were going to face trying days in their lives and knowing that Jesus walks them through an exercise through which we're going to pass together today and it was an exercise that helped them to realize who he was and who they were in him and that there was nothing about the future that they needed to fear because he was about to overcome the world. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody in the chat better type hallelujah right now. Right now. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Amen. We've sang about it already this morning several times. It was in the scripture, the exhortation this morning, that, that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be reading here, begin reading in verse 13. And in this moment, Jesus is going to begin to lead his disciples through a process of identification. We, we've spoken several times in this church about how important it is to know who Christ is and who you are in him. And in this moment, Jesus is leading, going to begin leading his disciples through a process of identification. And it says this, that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In that, even in that phrase, Jesus is identifying himself. If you understand this, Son of Man is one of the titles that Jesus chose for himself to identify himself as the only begotten of God. 
God's only son. And he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And I want to tell you something today, church. It's one thing to identify Christ in the vacuum that has no opposing opinions or thoughts or ideologies about who Christ is. It's easy for us to come into the house of the Lord, to the designated space, to the designated place, at the designated time, and all stand in agreement and coalesce around the idea and sing, He is Lord, He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and He is Lord. That's, that's one thing. That's one thing, but one thing that needs to be settled in our hearts and our minds moving forward in order for there to be a victorious church, in order for there to be an unstoppable church, is we must consider the question of who Jesus is in the context of life and living. Not in theological construct or ideology, but we have to consider who he is and who we believe him to be in our heart of hearts in the context of where we are doing life. And Jesus says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, you know, in the present time, we understand it's easy to see the evidences are everywhere that the disdain for Christianity is thinly veiled at best and oftentimes overt. It's clear to see. It's clear to see when you see people in the streets cursing the name of our Lord, it's easy to understand who men say that he is. When you're laughed at, maligned, and chastised, and made little of on social media platforms, as many are accustomed to doing, it's not hard to discern and ascertain who it is that men say that Jesus is. But I'm telling you today, church, I believe this with all of my being, that the day is coming when the voice of the dissenters is going to grow louder and louder. And you're going to have to settle in your heart and your mind in that context who you believe Jesus to be. And Jesus says to his disciples here, who do men say that I am? And they'd heard all the pundits, they had heard all the folklore and the conspiracy theories regarding this man. They had no doubt heard all the latest gossip. And as Jesus asked, they began to respond. And so they said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And as they begin to tell Jesus, I want you to understand that Jesus was not taking a public opinion poll here. He wasn't asking his disciples who men say that he is because he was trying to hold his finger to the political and social winds of the day to find out if he was winning a popularity contest. This wasn't about Jesus knowing because Jesus already knew. It's recorded several times in scripture that Jesus, discerning the thoughts of those that are around him, knew. 
Jesus already knew. This was about having the disciples to realize that there is a real world that is controlled and swayed by an antichrist spirit. And this is the context in which you and I live. And it is in that context that you and I will have to determine our faith. It's not here. Understand, church is important. I believe this word is important. The proclamation of the gospel is important. And I challenge any of you that are out online that are making a habit just of staying home. If you're sick, stay home. If you've got health conditions, stay home. But if you're just staying home, come and fellowship with the saints and come and worship together and come and stand in agreement of the goodness of God. But it's important that Jesus ask these questions in this succession. And Jesus stops here and asks them this piercing question. But who do you say that I am? Now church, we want to get to the good stuff. We, we like to skim read the word. I mean, you start off on Matthew chapter 16, you can hardly wait to get to verse 18 because you know in verse 18 is the bumper sticker material. It's the refrigerator magnet material. It's the post-it note on the work cubicle material. When Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we've got to take that and put it in its context to get the full meaning and understanding of it. Because the truth of the matter is that victory is not gained for us as believers because we understand that Jesus promised victory for his church. Victory is determined for us right here in this moment. Now I thank God for the guarantee and the title of this message is in this series The Unstoppable Church Understands the Guarantee of Victory. But the guarantee of victory is granted to those who have made up their mind that it doesn't matter what the rest of the world says, it doesn't matter what all the talking heads have to say, it doesn't matter what the people on Twitter say, what matters is how God has revealed himself. And I believe in January of 2021 that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. important asking because this is where your victory is determined let me tell you something it's not just people it's not just people but it's situation and it's circumstance and it's things that surround your life through which the adversary screams and yells and, and denies the power of Christ to work in your life and testifies against the witness of Christ in your life relationship issues it's health issues it's it's financial strains and struggles it's that situation going on in your workplace 
It's that setback that you just walked through. It's that mountain that you're now facing that you're going to have to climb. It's that dark valley through which you are traversing right now in this moment. Those are the things through which the adversary testifies and said, maybe Jesus was a good teacher. Maybe he was a pure and a just man. But is he really the very God of gods? Is he really the King of kings and Lord of lords? And is he really able to intervene in your life and march you straight to victory? And I'm telling you that victory is determined in your life, child of God, right here at this juncture. When you can look at everything else that's going on in the world around you, whether on a personal, regional, national, worldwide level, and determine for yourself who Christ is. That's where the victory is determined for your life. Too often, though, we seem surprised that the rest of the world doesn't view matters of faith the same way that we do. We, we come into our little crucibles of faith and we stand together and we use cliches and taglines and we say yes and amen and we stand in agreement with one another and then we seem surprised when we go back out into a world and they are not viewing the same things the way that we do and we seem to be surprised or caught off guard when all along in the scripture John tells us that the Antichrist spirit is already here. Everybody's worried and, and tore up about and curious about and wanting to know who's going to be the manifestation of the Antichrist that is to come. I want to tell you something. The church of the living God needs to be as, more, if, as much, if not more, concerned about the spirit of Antichrist that's already at work in the world. That's where we really need to focus our attention. And, and what Jesus was teaching here in this moment is this. That if they rightly identified him, it wouldn't necessarily be an assessment that aligned with popular opinion. He said, who do you say that I am? Now, we, we already know what the world says, but who do you say that I am? And friends, I want to tell you something today. That is a question that must be processed by each and every one of us on a personal level as you endeavor to live a victorious life, as you look to the future with all of its uncertainty, this is a question that you're going to have to ask yourself in the face of every temptation, hardship, and obstacle in this life. Who do I believe Christ is right now in my life? This is a question that has to be answered for us as a church corporately. As we're making plans for the future, as we're endeavoring to serve this community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we're considering the steps of faith necessary to advance the kingdom here on earth, who do we believe that he is? This is a question that every family must resolve. As you're deciding what you will and will not allow into your house, as you're deciding what you will and will not allow to influence your children, you're going to have to decide this. You say, Pastor, you're, you're, you seem kind of intense this morning or whatever. Are you angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry, but I'm just tired. 
I'm tired of everybody being so scared to tell the truth for offending somebody, for fear of offending somebody, that they occupy space behind a pulpit week in and week out, and they encourage people who are bound by the adversary and ignorantly on their way to an eternity apart from God, and they're being told that everything's okay. I'm tired of looking in the face of a generation who is so informed by popular culture that they can't find the mind of Christ on the issues of our age and know nothing of a chaste and pure life before God who know nothing of the move of the Holy Ghost and seeing them deceived by the Antichrist spirit of this world. Whatever you think of it, I want to tell you, church, the last time that I checked my Bible, it said that without holiness, no man shall see God. And I'm telling you that the day is too far spent to not sound the alarm and declare, thus says the Lord in this generation, and for the church of the living God to rise up in a determination that even though the rest of the world may deny him, we will cling fast to the old rugged cross. I want to tell you something. Understand this. How you answer this question as to the personage of Jesus Christ may put you in the category of peculiar. And let's be honest. We all want to be redeemed. But we don't really want to be all that different. We like to fit in. We like to be accepted. But I'm telling you, church, the hour is coming and now is when you're going to have to decide, are you in or are you out? You're going to have to decide if you want to be on fire for God or if you're going to let your fire grow cold. Lukewarmness isn't going to cut it anymore. There's going to be no more warming yourself by standing near the fire of God's presence. You're going to be hot or you're going to be cold or God is going to spew you out. And I want to ask you today, church, have you made a stand? Those of you that are watching at home, have you made a stand? And by stand, I don't mean something loud and boisterous. I don't mean that you've shared a certain prayer on Facebook because you heard that they were censoring it. I'm not talking about something that causes others to be annoyed by your very presence. But I must ask, has there been a moment that marked your life and characterizes your being in the way that Joshua's life was marked and set apart from the rest of the world when he said to the children of Israel, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Has there been a moment that defines your walk with Christ like this moment in Peter's life when he looked clearly at the claims of all the naysayers, all the agitators, all the antagonists of his day, and he made this bold declaration, you, Jesus, are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter answers in this manner, and Jesus, I can, I can almost sense the relief here. Whew. How many of you have ever had the task of teaching? And you taught, 
and you did everything that you thought you knew and you, and you began to ask your class or those that were listening to you for feedback and as they began to feedback, you realized that the message you intended to convey was not resonating in the heart of the people and you were like, oh, I send it to them. Ugh. Why don't they get it? Mr. Cox, why don't they get it? I don't understand. I planned my lesson. I studied. I put all the plans in place. Why don't they get it? But they open their mouth and begin to tell you back what you said to them, and you're like, no, 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 no. That's not at all what I said. But then, then sometimes they, you stand up there and you, you pour your heart out and you, 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 you work your plan and you say, okay, class, let's talk about what I just said. They begin to share and they begin to open up and one after the other it comes out and there's just that, there's just that sense of relief that, man, they got it. They got it. And I, I, can, I can almost sense Jesus' relief here in this moment as he's saying, man, they got it. They got it. They got it. They got it. Jesus, Jesus is probably sitting there when, when Peter stands up in that boldness and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm sure Jesus thought in his mind, bingo, somebody's finally got it. Somebody's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit more than they are the talking heads of this world. Somebody is finally believing the word of the Lord more than they are on their Twitter feed. Somebody is listening to the report of the faithful witness and not the loud majority. Somebody is speaking truth with a spirit-inspired boldness. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is the definitive moment in your life and faith. This is your pathway to victory right here when you're able to look at everything that's going on and declare he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't know what they're doing in Washington, D.C., Nobody's known that for years. It's a national secret. But I'm telling you, God knows. And he is on the throne. And he is not shaken by what he sees going on. He is not shaken by what's going on in Portland. He is not shaken by the things that are going on in California. He is not shaken by the things that are going on in North Carolina. He is not shaken by the things that are sweeping this globe and the seeming prevalent evil that's all around us. He is still high and lifted up. He is still seated on his throne today. And church, I'm telling you, when we can get that down on the inside of us, and that's our response to the call of Christ, is, Lord, I believe your word. You're setting yourself up for victory. You're setting yourself up for victory. And Jesus continues here and says, and also I say to you that you are Peter. Here we are, we're at the good stuff right now, aren't we? And this is Jesus says, and I say that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you, church, it's not the pronouncement of victory in your life that is the determining thing. It's the decision. It's the determination that regardless of what the world around me does, I'm going to stand with Jesus. I'm going to side with him. I'm going to stand in his word and make it the sure and firm foundation for my life. And, and because Jesus said this in this way, some people have contended that somehow or another Peter was made the first pope of the church and, and somehow Peter is the head of the church or the foundation of the church. But I want to tell you today, people of God, there's no such thing. The scripture is clear that Christ is the head of the church. 
Yes, God has used many spirit-led, spirit-empowered men and women to lead his church to do amazing exploits through the generation. But God did not choose a foundation for his church as frail as the arm of human flesh. And the Greek words that are used here are very, very different. And I don't have a lot of time this morning, so hang on. I, I believe that Peter got a promotion here. Or at least that life is changing for him in this declaration that, that Jesus has made over his life. But he's not the foundation of the church. Because other places in scripture, Peter is identified and called Cephas. Which in the Greek actually means a stone. A little pebble. Just, you know, you've all thrown them, skipped them across the ponds and the mud holes and they get stuck in the tread of your tire. You know, those, those kind of things. that little, little stones. Little stones, that things that we can pick up, that we can manipulate, that we can move around, that we can do as we please with them. And, and it's just a pebble that can be tossed to and fro, just a pebble that, that can be picked up, moved around, manipulated by others. But Jesus here calls him something different. And he says to him, you are Petros. Meaning that all of your life you've been known as a little stone. But Peter, what you just said, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting. Peter, that declaration that you just made, do you understand that that moves you from the status of being a little pebble that can be tossed and thrown around and chunked over here and again over there. It makes you a piece of something else. And that word Petros actually means a piece of the stone. A piece of the rock. When we say rock, your mental imagery needs to be something mountainous. It needs to be something colossal. It needs to be a Gibraltar, if you will, in your mind. And Jesus says, based on your declaration of faith, you're no longer going to be something that can be tossed and thrown here and there. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, P and Paul began to expound to the Corinthian church about the resurrection of the sainted dead. And he said to them at the conclusion of that, Therefore, my beloved, always abounding in the faith, be immovable, steadfast, and unshakable, because your life is built on the truth of the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. You're a part of the rock now. You're not a little pebble anymore. And I'm telling you, church, the reason we can't stand in victory is because we're swayed and we're washed by every little circumstance. But when your life is built on the truth of Christ, you will not be moved. There's a stoutness that's added to our spirit when we take our stand on our, and base our lives on the person of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, upon this rock, that word is Petra. Petros means a piece of the rock, and Petra means the rock. And Peter wasn't the foundation of the church, because the foundation of the church is the simple proclamation 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And upon that fact, the church rests firm and secure. And Peter understood well what Jesus was saying to him because later we find Jesus preaching on the day of Pentecost or thereafter and he said this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone he said look we're building on Christ He's the epicenter of everything that's happening. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And if you want to be unstoppable in your life, if you want to be unstoppable as a church, if you want to march in victory, our lives are to be built upon the truth of the deity and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Your life individually and ours corporately will declare that he is the very king of kings and the lord of lords. I want you to note quickly here the builder. See, we're Christ's co-laborers. But he's the, he's the one, he's the only one with any real power. Yes, he dispenses power to us through the person of the Holy Ghost. But we are we're empowered by his spirit. And we're going to speak more about that in upcoming messages. But we're not to look to the conditions of this world. I'm telling you that a lot of places of worship are going to close shut their doors and cease to be because they're moved by the conditions of the world around them. They have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof and they're moved by the conditions of the world around them. But I want to tell you something, church. We're never going to look to the conditions of this world and see if they see that they are accommodating or favorable for us to move in the will of God. It's not going to be that the ways that we can entertain or the ways that we can entice that are going to draw people, but it's going to be us yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and heralding that message that He is Lord that's going to see the sinner be saved and the addict freed. It's going to be as it was in the days of, of Zechariah where the Lord speaks and says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I want you to note the product here. Jesus is the builder, and here's the product. It's not some religious form. It's not the constructs of what we think something is supposed to look like. But Jesus said, I will build my church. The ecclesia, the called out, the living organism that he is building with the lives of those that he is changing and the work that he's doing in this generation. Not the thing that we've made it, not the thing that we can't imagine it being different than or looking any other way, not the traditional protocols that we mourn as the way that is now gone. But he's building his church. He's calling. He's still, he's still calling out. Do you believe that Jesus is calling out in this generation? He, he's, calling out to the, he's calling out the addict and the immoral. He's calling out the broken and the maligned. He's calling out to the prisons, out of the prisons of enslavement, those that are bound. And he is building his church in this generation. I want you to note the guarantee as we close here this morning, and that is this. 
the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've seen too many people of late that want to stand in front of a YouTube camera and declare to the rest of the world, thus says the Lord. And as soon as situation and circumstance seems unfavorable or improbable to the things that they've said, they recant. And they say, well, maybe I missed the Lord. Maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misinterpreted. I don't want to hear anything else you've got to say. I'm sorry. If you, if you stood and said, I'm telling you, I don't say things that I'm not going to stand with to the very last breath because I believe that my word is true. And I'm telling you, I don't care if the Gestapo comes and change the door of the church. I'm going to stand on the bold promise that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Son of the living God. Though earth hinder and hell rages, he's still going to be in control. And he will build his church until the day that he comes. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you something, church. I've already alluded to it a little bit, but there are some dead vestiges of religion that are still in operation. They're going to be exposed for what they are in the coming days, and I believe we're going to see it. And the world is full of people that march under the banner of Christianity that fit the description offered by Paul as he's writing to Timothy and says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thankful, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And, and God is getting ready to peel back the cover. And all those that have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof are going to be exposed. The word speaks about a great falling away in the last day. And, and I think you're going to see it to the scale of denominational closure. You, you can't have people ordaining things that fly in the face of the truth of God's word and still prosper. It's, it's not going to happen. Jesus never promised victory for the religious constructs born of the minds of men. Jesus never promised victory for our adherence to dead religious protocols, but Jesus said for those who are willing to take their stand upon the sure word of the Lord and place their confidence in Jesus as the author and the finisher of their faith, that not even the gates of hell would be able to prevail in their lives. And I want to tell you something, church, that even in the midst of perilous times, we need not settle for anything less than victory in Jesus. We need not roll over and play dead in any situation as if the adversary has prevailed. Keep standing upon the sure word of the Lord. Keep resting in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Keep trusting Jesus in every situation. Keep looking to him as the author and the finisher of true faith. 
tune out the voices of this world. And, and he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And I promise that if you'll listen intently to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to hear anything of defeat. You're not going to hear anything of despairing. You're not going to hear anything even of retreat. But you're going to hear a witness. This is victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Oh, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. This is the reason that Paul stresses in Philippians chapter 2 that you and I have the mind of Christ. Church, we need the mind of Christ in this hour. We, we need the mind of Christ to help us make sense of what's going on in the world around us. We need the mind of Christ in order to understand that darkness may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We need the mind of Christ to understand that he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And church, I want you to understand this in closing, and would you stand with me all over this place? We're going to get ready and worship the Lord. We're going we're to get ready with a bold declaration that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. We're going we're gonna to get ready in just a minute. I'm going to invite you. I want you to think right now of your greatest the, the thing that taunts you the most, the thing that is your Goliath that's standing in front of you denying the power of your God. I want you to think of that thing right now. And in just a minute, we're going to get up and we're going to shout in the face of the adversary that our God has overcome the world and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And though earth hinder and hell rage, they shall not prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Now, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know these truths, that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn, because this is your heritage in Christ Jesus. I do know this. I don't know about tomorrow, but I do know this, that the righteous will never be forsaken, nor God's seed be seen begging bread. And I have learned from the historical record that God will see his people victorious even if he has to part the seas to do so. Even if he has to cause the walls of our enemies to crumble. God is going to lead us to victory. And I want to tell you, the unstoppable church understands that we were never promised a life void of battles. But we were guaranteed victory in every circumstance through Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on church, lift the anthem of praise to the Lord right now. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.